Hi, this is John Butters, Senior Earnings Analyst at FactSet, and welcome to this week's edition of the FactSet Earnings Inside Podcast. The FactSet Earnings Inside Podcast is based on content published in the FactSet Earnings Insight Report, which provides commentary and analysis on corporate earnings for the S&P 500 and is available each week on the FactSet website at www.factset.com. We'll start this week's podcast with a preview of the key metrics for the first quarter earnings season for the S&P 500, which is about four weeks away. Then we'll discuss our topic of the week, which is ratings on S&P 500 companies. Heading into the second quarter, where are analysts most optimistic and most pessimistic in terms of their ratings? But first, let's look ahead to the first quarter earnings season for the S&P 500. Analysts and companies have been much more optimistic than normal in their estimate revisions and earnings outlooks for the first quarter to date. As a result, expected earnings for the S&P 500 for the first quarter are higher today compared to the start of the quarter. In fact, the index is now expected to report the highest year-over-year earnings growth since the third quarter of 2018. Analysts expect double-digit earnings growth in the first quarter and for all four quarters of 2021. In terms of estimate revisions, analysts have increased earnings estimates in aggregate for the S&P 500 for the first quarter to date. We typically look at the change in the bottom-up EPS estimate for the index to measure EPS estimate revisions by analysts. The bottom-up EPS estimate for the first quarter has increased by 5.8% since December 31st. Now, this is unusual because in a typical quarter, the bottom-up EPS estimate usually decreases by 4-5% during the quarter. In terms of guidance, more S&P 500 companies have issued positive EPS guidance for the first quarter than average. In determining whether guidance is positive or negative, we compare the projection of the company to the mean EPS estimate of the analyst at the time of the guidance. At this point in time, 95 companies in the index have issued EPS guidance for the first quarter. Of these 95 companies, 61, or 64%, have issued positive EPS guidance. This percentage is well above the five-year average of 33%. It should be noted that the overall number of companies issuing EPS guidance for the first quarter of 95 is below the five-year average of 104. Because of the net upward revisions to earnings estimates, the estimated year-over-year earnings growth rate for the first quarter is higher now relative to the start of the first quarter. As of today, the S&P 500 is expected to report year-over-year earnings growth of 22.6% compared to the estimated year-over-year earnings growth rate of 15.5% back on December 31st. If 22.6% is the actual growth rate for the quarter, it will mark the largest year-over-year growth in earnings reported by the index since the third quarter of 2018. Eight sectors are projected to report year-over-year earnings growth, led by the consumer discretionary, financials, and material sectors. Three sectors are projected to report a year-over-year decline in earnings, led by the industrials and energy sectors. Looking at future quarters, analysts also project double-digit earnings growth for the remaining three quarters of 2021, with earnings growth expected to peak in the second quarter at just over 51%. The forward 12-month P.E. ratio is 21.7, which is above the five-year average and above the 10-year average. And during the upcoming week, Four S&P 500 companies are scheduled to report results for the first quarter. Now let's move on to our topic of the week, which is ratings on S&P 500 companies. With the end of the first quarter approaching, we are analysts most optimistic and most pessimistic in terms of their ratings on stocks in the S&P 500 heading into the second quarter. 
Overall, there are 10,374 ratings on stocks in the S&P 500. Of these 10,374 ratings, 54.9% are buy ratings, 38.2% are hold ratings, and 6.9% are sell ratings. Over the past five years, the average month-end percentage of buy ratings is 51.3%, the average month-end percentage of hold ratings is 42.7%, and the average month-end percentage of sell ratings is 5.9%. So as of now, we're seeing more buy ratings and more sell ratings than the five-year average, but fewer hold ratings. At the sector level, analysts are most optimistic on the healthcare, information technology, and energy sectors as these three sectors have the highest percentages of buy ratings. All three sectors are tied for the highest percentage of buy ratings at 61%. On the other hand, analysts are most pessimistic on the consumer staples, real estate, and financial sectors, as these three sectors have the lowest percentages of buy ratings. The percentage of buy ratings on the consumer staple sector is 44%, the percentage of buy ratings on the real estate sector is 47%, and the percentage of buy ratings on the financial sector is 49%. The consumer staples and real estate sectors are also tied for the highest percentage of hold ratings at 46%, while the consumer staples and communication services sectors are tied for the highest percentage of sell ratings at 10%. At the company level, here are the 10 companies in the S&P 500 with a minimum of three ratings that have the highest percentages of buy ratings. Teledyne Technologies, 100%. Assurant, also 100%. Amazon.com, 96%. Microsoft, 94%. Alphabet Class A and Class C, 93%. Cigna Corporation, Alexandria Real Estate Equities, and Teleflex Incorporated, all at 92%, and Howmet Aerospace at 91%. And here also is the list of the 10 companies in the S&P 500, again with a minimum of three ratings, that have the highest percentages of sell ratings. Xerox Holdings, 63%. Lumen Technologies, 53%. American Airlines Group, 52%. Consolidated Edison, 47%. Viacom CBS, 41%. Franklin Resources and Expeditors International, both at 40%. Northern Trust at 39%. Robert Half International at 38%, and Brown Foreman at 35%. So at this time last year, COVID-19 began to spread across the country, and many industries were forced to reduce capacity or close entirely due to social distancing policies implemented to help reduce the spread of the virus. As of today, many of these policies that constricted economic activity have either been loosened or eased as vaccinations increase across the country. Looking at ratings, how have ratings for the S&P 500 at the sector level changed since March of 2020? How did the sectors with the highest and lowest percentages of buy ratings at this time last year perform in terms of price return during this period? It's interesting to note that there's little difference in the overall percentage of buy ratings on stocks in the S&P 500 between now and the end of March of 2020. On March 31, 2020, 54.1% of ratings on S&P 500 stocks are buy ratings, compared to 54.9% today. Five sectors have seen significant changes in their percentages of buy ratings since March of 2020. The consumer discretionary, utilities, and financial sectors have seen the largest increases in their percentages of buy ratings, while the energy and communication services sectors have seen the largest decreases in their percentages of buy ratings.
However, there's been little change at the sector level in terms of ranking by buy ratings since March of 2020. The same four sectors that had the highest percentages of buy ratings at the end of March 2020 also have the highest percentages of buy ratings today. These four sectors are healthcare, information technology, energy, and communication services. At the same time, the same three sectors that had the lowest percentages of buy ratings back on March 31st of 2020 also have the lowest percentages of buy ratings today. These three sectors are the consumer staples, financials, and real estate sectors. So how accurate were the sector-level buy ratings on March 31st, 2020 in terms of predicting price performance almost one year later? Well, overall, the price of the S&P 500 has increased by 51% since March 31st of 2020. The four sectors that have seen the largest price increases during this period are the materials, consumer discretionary, financials, and energy sectors. Of these four sectors, the energy sector is the only sector that was also ranked in the top four in terms of highest percentage of buy ratings back on March 31st of last year. On the other hand, the three sectors that have seen the smallest price increases during this period are the utilities, consumer staples, and real estate sectors. These three sectors also had the lowest percentages of buy ratings back on March 31st of last year. Thus, at the sector level, analysts were more accurate with their ratings on March 31st, 2020 in predicting the bottom performers rather than the top performers in terms of price return almost one year later. This concludes our podcast for this week. Thank you for listening. For more information on the topics discussed today and other market-moving trends, please visit the FactSet website at www.factset.com and check out our full FactSet Earnings Insight report, our FactSet Insight blog, and our Street.com podcasts. And of course, stay tuned for next week's edition of the FactSet Earnings Insight podcast. Music